and welcome to A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. Wherever you listen to the world, we thanks you, we thanks you, we thank you so much for listening to us. Me and Zach talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If you want to listen to that on the reg, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. When you get there on Apple or Spotify, rate, review, but most importantly, subscribe. If you do subscribe, you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. Speaking of Mondays, it is one right now. And it is 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that means that we are live on YouTube on the A to Z Sports Nashville YouTube channel. So go to the A to Z Sports Nashville YouTube channel and subscribe. Hit the notification bell. Hit the like button on this video if you feel so inclined. Um, and come hang out with us. Leave your comments. Say what's up. Uh, we love responding to everybody's comments and, and going back and forth during the show. It's always a great time. So come literally be a part of the show with us. Uh, by subscribing and tuning in at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach writes and social media. You know where to find us if you're here. Let's get down to business. Zach, um, Saturday was just weird. Um, Tennessee's game against Austin Peay started at 5 o'clock. What game starts at five o'clock? Weird start time. The weather's off. Uh, it wasn't like tornadoy or anything, but there were just like storms around that had a little bit of light, a little bit of thunder, a little bit of lightning here and there. And then they delay the game. Not only do they delay the game, but they cancel running through the tee, which I, I'm sure has happened in the past. But when is the last time that happened? Uh, and then you go in. Austin P's head coach is a straight up psycho. Uh, dude was doing some some stinking booger sugar back there, I think. Uh, and Tennessee has a super off game against Austin P. We're going to talk all about that and the Florida game. What's up, Zach? Yeah, it was a, definitely a strange Saturday. I think you pointed out that, that Jonathan Crompton said during the post-game show that it was just kind of a weird vibe all over the South on Saturday. And and I definitely felt that once you kind of mentioned that. It felt that way through really throughout the whole weekend. I mean, you saw some some crazy weather at NFL games. And I think even the one tonight, even though it's up north, uh, the Jets having some some pretty severe weather issues up there as well. So definitely a strange weekend. Obviously the weather didn't really impact Tennessee, but as far as on the field, but it was a uh, strange vibes that led to a strange game. So hopefully we can just chalk it up to that uh, as we get into it here a little bit. Yeah. Tennessee only won 30 to 13 against an FCS team and an FCS team that is not, you know, particularly they're, they're not, North Dakota State, let's put it that way. They The week before, they lost to Southern Illinois by more than they lost to Tennessee by. Uh, it's not great. We're going to get into it, but specifically, we're going to get into it through the lens of you have Florida on the horizon here, which is obviously, I think, the most scary thing out of this entire scenario. Yeah, you have an off week. That certainly happens. Uh, this one was particularly off. But, I mean... With Florida right there, it's uh, why, why does it have to be this week? But we're going to discuss it right after I tell you about our first great sponsor tonight. And that, of course, is the good folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans has been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. 
Uh, oh, man, I lost crap. I lost my spot. Sorry, Farm Bureau. Farm Bureau Healthland has been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau for health, dental, and vision. For better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ. We're walking to one of their 200-plus locations across the state of Tennessee. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Thank you, thank you, thank you to them for supporting the boys here. They've been with us for a long time. We appreciate it. Now, <clears throat> this game, there's so, so much to unpack here. We thought in the Virginia game, like it was a slow start. And then it, it, Milton gets it together. Everybody else gets it together. And you just kind of steamroll Virginia. It was very, you kind of sleepwalked through that one. Um, and rightfully so. Virginia is bad. Austin P. theoretically, talent-wise, is worse. Uh, not that <laughs> Virginia is not good, but an FCS team. And again, an FCS team that the week before lost to Southern Illinois by a bunch. Um, and so you're coming in thinking, all right, I, th I think we literally texted before the game, Zach. And, and I said something like, oh, I have three screens set up. Cause I got to have something to watch when we're up by 50. <laughs> I think I texted something to, like that to you. The assumption as, as it should be, the assumption was that Tennessee is going to win this game by a hundred and, they were favored by 45 or something. Just wild lines coming into this because of Tennessee's offense. And they just come out flatter than a pancake. I, it was brutal, brutal, brutal the way that Tennessee comes out in this. And I, I, I rewatched the game and I, I have, and specifically everything that Joe Milton did, I have some thoughts. We're going to go through it all, but I'll just say your your initial thoughts on what we watched over the weekend, Zach. What did you think? Yeah, I think it was probably one of the least enjoyable Tennessee games that I've ever watched. And and I obviously we all lived through the Jeremy Pruitt era and the Derek Dooley era that had some had some stinkers, though. At least the Dooley era did have some fun offense, but it was just a a frustrating game from watching Austin P to as crazy as the coach acted like respect to them for the way that they he had his team prepared like he went in there to make life hell on Tennessee I and mean, he wasn't going there just to get beat I mean he knew that Austin P probably not gonna win that game but he wanted Tennessee to remember that they played Austin P they didn't he didn't want it to be one of those games it's like who did who did Tennessee beat in week two some of those games last season that maybe you forget about as kind of you know no name opponents but I mean man he they were all over the place. He was disrupting Tennessee's uh, rhythm and 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 momentum, calling timeouts early in the game. Some some well timed injury timeouts, which we see that pretty often. But I felt like uh, Austin P really kind of dropped those in there. Some critical moments that really impacted the way that Tennessee was attacking Austin P's defense. And obviously, that style of yeah, you might look at that game and say, "Well, Austin P just gave the blueprint to other teams on how to beat Tennessee," but that's a style that's not really sustainable for a full 60 minutes. I mean, he's burning up all the timeouts early in the half just to kind of disrupt, just to really frustrate Tennessee. I think that was the main objective, was just to frustrate Tennessee and to just make it an annoying, long day where you have to grind out this win and just kind of find a way to put this game behind you and move on to the next one. So mission accomplished on that. I mean, they they did what they're supposed to do. So, I mean, you, I feel like you got to have a lot of respect for the way that they approached it, but it certainly wasn't fun to watch. 
Yeah, that Bush League stuff is not going to happen against Florida. There is always, when teams play Tennessee, there's always a little bit of that. Fake injuries and whatever else. But Austin P did absolutely everything. I mean, this guy was burning. He burned all of his timeouts in the first half of each half. He So he was out of timeouts by the end of the first quarter, I think, and by the end of the third quarter also. And just doing kind of wild stuff to try to throw Tennessee off. Obviously, they played this completely one-dimensional, like stacking five dudes on one side of the field and just like weird stuff to throw Tennessee off. Then on defense, they they were basically dropping everybody back, making sure Tennessee couldn't couldn't hit them over the top. And it it just all the way around. I mean, it was it was like as gimmicky as a team could play against Tennessee because it's the only thing they had. They don't have the talent to beat Tennessee. They were never going to beat Tennessee, uh, but they mucked it up as much as they could and good on them. Uh, there's a lot of panic around this, obviously, because of how Tennessee looked in that game. Tons of tons of people in the comments already. I mean, let, we can maybe just go through this a little bit through the lens of some of these comments uh we start here i mean jason's very first uh, comment here based on what we saw last week we should be worried we were running consecutive screen passes late in game because that's the only pass that our offense could execute so here's this is probably the biggest conversation that i've seen out of this entire thing it, it has recurred in every single thing that i have listened to in any type of analysis which hasn't been a ton i've done my own analysis but uh it, it's come up a ton on on the couple of things that i've listened to uh, with analysis of, of this game is did Josh Heupel close the playbook on purpose? Was it, you know, he just was ripping out everything, but the first three pages and that's all we got to see. And I, I, so Crompton on our show, uh, it is the sports, big orange game day show that I do with former Vols quarterback, Jonathan Crompton halftime post game of every Vols game. Um, his, he says unequivocally, Josh Heupel shutting it down. Why would you throw vertically over the top? You don't have to. There's no need for that. But I, I, I probably agree with him. We're going to see. I mean, we're going to see in this Florida game, whether it was or not. But I'm not sure I 100% agree because last year, I mean, Heupel, he threw some bombs against Akron. And, and he, yeah, I don't think that he opened the playbook. He wasn't running some of the funky stuff that he did against like Alabama, like a fullback run. He wasn't breaking that. He out. did. He did break out some of the option stuff against Akron, though. So they did put some oh. weird stuff out there last See? year when they used with Dylan Sampson. And so it makes me question it a little bit because Heupel, that's just not been his style historically so far at Tennessee, is to shut it down for this this type of game. What what it concerns me, and I I asked Crompton this, and he he blew it off. Uh, you you can see the the clip of it on on uh, A to Z there if you want to go back and watch his post game comments, but blew it off that you know my fear is is there distrust between the staff and Milton the staff and the wide receivers the staff and the offensive line because those are the three I mean I, I think your running backs Jalen Wright's probably the best dude best athlete on his team right now he's absolutely steamrolling and and just looks awesome uh, but beyond that the wide receivers just dropping balls. The the offensive line looked pretty good in that Virginia game. This one, you know, a little bit on their heels at times. They they were they were good for the most part. I don't know, good might be a little strong. They 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 it was good enough <laughs> to get the job done. But Milton did get sacked and it didn't look great. Also, maybe have a little bit more confidence if you can get Cooper Mays back this week. It's a different conversation altogether. But 
Um, that's the thing that I worry about is are they shutting it down? And what is, you know, what Jason says there, are they shutting it down because they don't trust the dudes that are out there to execute those, those plays over the middle to execute those bombs to do the things that they need to do. That concerns me. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I think you, it's pretty dangerous if you approach a game with this whole, we're going to keep the the offense simple. I think uh, somewhere up in the comments, I think Tyson mentioned he shut it down in the first quarter because Joe wasn't doing very well. I think that's probably more along the lines of, of what happened because they took a, you know, the offense looked a little more or less, didn't look as one dimensional, as horizontal early in the game. And you missed a few of those passes. They were a little off. You had some really bad drops from the receivers. Maybe at that point, Heupel just kind of says, okay, we're going to go back to the run game. Uh, these screen passes, these little short passes out to the perimeter, which is really just an extension of the run game. And just get things moving that way and just beat this team that way. I think that's probably more along the lines of what happened because I don't, I don't think you can come out against Virginia and play that way. I mean, you know going into that game you should beat Virginia, but only if you show up and execute, only if you go out there and, and do what you're supposed to do. So I don't I don't think you can go into a game against any power five opponent. I don't care if you're Georgia, Alabama, who you are, you know, any team can get beat on, on any given Saturday. I know it's cliche, but it, it's true. So I don't I don't see Josh Heupel as competitive as he is approaching it that way. Now, sure, there's things that he doesn't want to show on film. There's things he does want to show on film to kind of throw, you know, future teams that they have to play off. I absolutely think he does that. I think every coach does that to some extent. I don't know if it was to the point where he's not going to throw the ball vertical at all because he doesn't want Florida to see that. I mean, like you mentioned, we saw it last season against Ball State and Akron earlier, later in the season when they played UT Martin. They're firing it down the field, throwing out, you know, halfback passes. Uh, Princeton fans throwing touchdown passes against UT Martin. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I agree with Crompton on that one. Obviously, he would have better insight as a former quarterback, but that just that just seems like a dangerous way to, to kind of approach a game. I, I don't know. And, and you're really only doing it for one game, the Florida game, pretty much, because – you're not going to the swamp and hide anything. You, I mean, hopefully Tennessee goes down there and break, you know, opens up a huge lead early. Even then, you know, we've seen those huge leads last year against Florida and Alabama at home kind of, you know, disappear a little bit and you have to, you end up in a dogfight at the end of that game. So they're going to have to empty the the playbook when they go down there to Gainesville. And do you want to be running some of these plays for the first time in a real game in the swamp, especially when the execution wasn't very good against Austin P? If you're not catching some of those passes against Austin P, you know, how are you going to flip the switch and go in the Florida and do it? And I, I think they can, but that's kind of the risk you run if you're playing that game. That's why I really don't think that was the case. Early season drops in a super jet here. We appreciate it. He said, hopefully just jitters from Milton. It was a second ever start in Neyland Stadium and first since the first game of 2021. 102K is different from 68K. Go big orange. Go balls. Um, we're going to, in the second segment of the show, we're going to dedicate fully to this Joe Milton situation. I want to be a little more general to open. Um, but I, I think there's definitely something to, at, at a baseline for what happened here, there's definitely something to the weirdness of the entire day. Not running through the T and every, everything just being off all the way around. And then <laughs> what I really think there's validity to, because I mean, it, Milton, he, he, did, he started in the Orange Bowl. Played well in the Orange Bowl, and and you know really contributed to that win. I I think 
this this really isn't an excuse for not walk floor with Austin P. But they thought they were gonna just roll the ball out there and win by sixty. That's exactly what happened. And then suddenly Austin P came out there with their ears pinned back, ready to freaking go. All of those dudes back there doing I don't know steroids or cocaine or something. I and they they were all just hyped up beyond belief. And and let's say good for them. Let, let's give credit where it's due because they came out fighting like absolute dogs and and just really brought that heat. And and they got something to really hang their hat on. I think for the rest of the season to really go like we we came to Tennessee and brought the fight to them and kind of knocked them on their heels a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, credit, credit where it's due. It's still embarrassing for Tennessee. Make no mistake about that. I, I don't want to beat around the bush there, but Hey, credit where it's due as far as that goes, even if that coach was super annoying and I was pretty pissed off at the entire situation the whole time. But um, I, I, I just think that all, everything was off all the way around. Wide receivers playing like crap. Milton at the beginning of the game playing like crap. Then he settled in. Um, I mean, yeah, you just look. The, the most frustrating moment I think of that entire game had to be that drop by Dante Thornton. Mm. The, yeah, the sideline. Oh, Milton rolls out. He, he escapes the sack. Rolls out beautifully. Throws this pass to the sideline that is so picture perfect. You couldn't have done it better. And he threw it. Right in the exact spot he had to dropped it right into Thornton's hands, right, right in between kind of his his chest and his chin right there. And it bounced off his hands like it was a break. And it wasn't it wasn't just like skyrocketed in there. Um, because you know, a lot of people have been saying that old oh, Milton he's, he throws rocks out there. Again, another conversation there. But that that's one where I was like, everybody, everybody's off. This is this isn't good. This is everybody's having a bad day across the board. And uh, uh, as I said, I, there couldn't be a worse time to have a game like this than going into the one where everybody is psychologically damaged. <laughs> you know, every Tennessee fan on earth has watched Tennessee roll into the swamp and either get their butt handed to them or lose in these just clownish ways, just ridiculous. Like you gotta be kidding me. Hail Mary, the fourth and 14. I mean, we've seen it all. And uh, that that's painful. We're going to preview the Florida game in the final segment of the show and, and give our full prediction and everything that we think will happen there. But I, uh, as, as far as this game goes, I, I don't think that you can just, flush it you know i feel like some people say like oh just put it in the, put it in the background and get rid of it ah you need to use this as a learning experience i i said it to crompton he didn't really like this but i i said you need to treat it like a loss you lost you didn't lose obviously wins a win you get that w in the win call and that's great but you gotta sort of treat it like one because of how poorly you played you played in a way that if you were playing an sec team you would lose and that's how you have to treat it and now on that note you wrote today zach about reportedly, uh, there was uh, a players only meeting where, and this is why I say, like, they are kind of using it as this learning moment, treating it kind of like a loss. Um, you typically see a players only meeting after a tough loss and where you need to get your head back, you know, head back on your shoulders. Um, but you wrote about this. What, what exactly happened, Zach? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a report from Dave Hooker, who, who does a YouTube show and website and, and has a lot of players on there and interviews. But anyway, he said that uh, somebody close to the program had informed him that they had a players-only meeting on Sunday. Joe Milton spoke at that meeting, apparently, and kind of took blame for, for a lot of what went wrong on Saturday. And I don't know if that's accuracy of passes, the way the offense was running, everybody being on the same page, whatever the case, it really doesn't matter. It's just really Joe Milton being a leader because we all watched the game. Yeah, there were some throws that were a little off, but two hands on the ball, you, you kind of got to come down with that catch. You got to be able to make some difficult catches in the SEC if you're going to be a you know, a Boletnikoff award winner. I mean, so we saw Jalen Hyatt do at times. But, it, it, you know, you go in and you have this players-only meeting after a loss before you go play Florida. I think it's probably happening at exactly the right time. Tennessee had a really bad moment last year at South Carolina that, you know, maybe if they're playing Austin P that day, they come out with the win. They have a little players-only meeting. They get back on track. I mean, last season it happened against South Carolina. The next week, Kirk Herbstreit's picking them to lose to Vanderbilt. They cruise in that game with Joe Milton starting against the Vanderbilt team that was playing pretty decent at the time, and, you know, going to the Orange Bowl and, and obviously beat Clemson. So maybe this is a good thing. You know, you got to look for the silver lining here, right? You got to hope that this is a good thing. That this kind of gets everybody like reset. Hey, we know the hype. We know that we've talked about what we want to accomplish this season. But we actually have to go out there and do it. We have to go out there and execute at a high level. We're not going to be Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman just because we're wide receivers at Tennessee. We're not going to be Darnell Wright just because we're playing on the same offensive line. It's not necessarily just plug and play. You're automatically going to be good. you got to put the work in. Josh Heupel's system puts you in good spots to succeed. But it's still up to the player to execute and to put the work in and, and to have the right mindset when they go into these games. So hopefully this players-only meeting – corrects that before you know what to this point is the biggest game in the season and if you don't win this game every other game this season has a little less meaning because you lost to florida and you lose to florida your chances of winning the sec east are probably on life support because it's hard to see georgia losing before that late november matchup with tennessee yeah this game is so massive Ugh. and and that's Obviously, why everybody is is so nervous and everything that it means, the history that you have. But uh, again, why? Why did it have to happen before the Florida game? It could have happened before any game. But why? <laughs> why this one? Um, there's some some of the comments, tons of comments. Thanks to everybody who's uh, who's watching, and uh, we we really appreciate it. Jason uh, Jason says he brought up the horrible kicking game. Well, punting. The, the kicker made three field goals, uh, you know, and I'm I'm good with that. He did uh, kick one out of bounds, I think. That's true. Kick off. Yeah. Yeah. And that that is and that's the third one of the season so far, if I'm thinking correctly, um, which that's not great. But, you know, still made those field goals. Um, Elias says most frustrating thing for me were the missed assignments from the O-line. Absolutely. Um, and then on that kind of same note. I believe Jasmine says Cooper will be back, right? For Florida, theoretically, there has been nothing for sure there. He's been back working at practice. Which is, is what Hypel said today, but he left it. Like, he didn't say, oh, he's playing Saturday. He's been back at practice, so we anticipate him, you know, having a good week or something like that. In typical yeah. Hypel fashion, I'm sure on Thursday he'll say they'll make a decision on Friday and nobody will know until then. I'm, I, I will put it this way. I'm concerned. 
<laughs> I'm I'm concerned that he actually plays. Hopefully, it's a little game. I think he'll play. I think he'll play. I I hope so. Hopefully, it's, it's gamesmanship, and and he's going to be rolled out there because man, he's no offense, but he just runs that offense better. <laughs> and Billy Nap- Billy Napier is expecting him back. He he said today during his press conference that he thinks the center will be back, and and he said the exact same thing you just said. Like everything runs better when he's up there, and and yeah, Heupel thinks that Cooper can pick right up. You know go right into this game against Florida without missing a beat, without playing in these first two games. He seems pretty confident of that. You know, we'll see. That That's a tough ask. Uh, I Cooper Mays is a great player, a really smart player. He's like having another coach on the field, but you, you kind of get hit that first time in the Virginia game, Austin P game. He doesn't have that under his belt yet. That first snap in the swamp is going to be the first time he's really felt that this season. So that, yeah. that can take a series or two at least to kind of, get going i think and and hopefully you know maybe cooper proves us wrong and it goes out and just dominates on the first drive that's certainly possible but you got to have a little patience there with him i think i think that's only fair absolutely paulotone brings up lack of consistency for i mean that's that's been across the board you saw that with the defense this time um and uh, yeah there's there was just so many layers to this that you could kind of go into because i think there's there's an entire conversation to be had about the wide receivers here. Um, and what does it mean that they're dropping so many passes? Is that on the wide receivers is, is part of it on Joe Milton, as some people said, kind of throwing rocks out there when he just throws it so hard and it's tough to catch. Uh, I kind of theorize this is a little bit of both. I think if you're going to be a wide receiver in the SEC, there's not a whole lot of excuse there because a lot of guys throw the ball hard <laughs> and that's part of life. But uh, I, yeah, there, there's conversation to be had about them. There's conversation to be had about the defensive line. There's conversation to be had about the defensive backs, Kamal Haddon, everything that happened with Kamal Haddon, how they just constantly picked on him and that they got those uh, those pass interference calls. I mean, you, Florida's got to be looking at that and going like, mm-hmm, that is exactly what we will be doing. Underthrow it a little bit, get Kamal Haddon, uh, you know, not, not looking back, pass interference. He did look back on one. He did. It's and got it was, an interception. Look at that. So maybe maybe that sets everything. You know, I've said before on here, I don't know if that's something that Willie Martinez is coaching. I've seen some other corners for SEC teams do it. I, mean, I think I mentioned LSU in their game against uh, Florida State. I don't understand it at all because that's almost going to be an automatic pass interference every single time on that uh, underthrown ball. But if you turn around, it's, a, it's an interception. And Graham Mertz... He's had some turnover issues before, so you gotta you you cannot you can't give up a an interception for a DPI there. Like you have to make that play. It it flips the entire game, especially against Florida, especially on the road. Well, and, and Papa J makes a point here too. He says as long as they actually call it both ways, there was a couple instances where it was clear pass interference on Austin P. Didn't get called. There was a fumble. There was, you know, just a bunch of stuff. The referees in that game were absolutely egregious. Not that that's don't ever bring up the referees when you're talking about a, a game against Austin P. No, they shouldn't factor into it at all. You win, they weren't they weren't good. Yeah. But you win you know, by a bunch, no is. matter how bad the refs are. But the the let's do say the refs. If those refs come to this Florida game, Tennessee's getting screwed straight up. Like that's if you have those same calls, I, I think most people will be walking away thinking that Tennessee got a screw job. So, uh, all right, I. There, there really are just so many places to go with this, but I'll, I'll just throw it to you, Zach, because we do. We, we do have to move on to the next uh, segment of the show. Anything else with just sort of the general 
uh, part of the game. And then we'll talk specifically about Joe Milton here and our kind of take on what's going on with him. But any, anything else with the game? No, I think you, I think you got to point out Aaron Beasley, the effort that he played with, especially yeah. Keenan Beasley there. I mean, nine tackles, five of those tackles for loss. I think he's got four sacks through the first two weeks. And I remember really the, 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 pressure that the front four is generating in general and, and or the front seven has been incredible i remember last season i think it was the the ball state game the season opener tennessee didn't have a single sack i believe and they and they got to the quarterback a few times we got rid of the ball and i remember that kind of being a a point of concern and that hasn't been the case this year no they haven't played two elite opponents in virginia and austin p but They've been able to get home to the quarterback. James Pierce is making a difference. Tyler Barron looks like he's playing at a higher level this season. And with Aaron Beasley uh, being able to factor in there as well. Uh, you saw Josh Josephs get a sack on, on Saturday against Austin P. So that that's massively encouraging. If you didn't pair that with like last year's offense or, or an offense that's almost as potent as last year's, that's when this team can really get into doing something special. But it's kind of odd to see the defense really kind of taking off right now and the offense is the one that's kind of taking a little bit to get going and and maybe we should be more a little more fair to joe milton as, I, as i'm sure we'll discuss him a little more here in a second well let's uh get right to it joe milton obviously he's been a divisive character after this game <laughs> and we'll give our take on where exactly he lands right after i tell you about our next great and new sponsor zen sports it's football season, and it's time to switch to Zen Sports, the fastest-growing sports book in Tennessee, changing the bonus game with their cash rewards program. When you sign up for Zen Sports with code A to Z T N A to Z T N, earn a welcome bonus that gives you five percent cash back on your total betting volume for your first fifteen days of betting. Seriously, a completely insane offer uh, that they they got going here. If you have friends who bet on sports, make sure you share your Zen Sports referral bonus with them, and then you'll earn 3% of their betting volume for their first six months of betting on Zen Sports with no cap on how much you can earn. What are you waiting for? Stop wasting time and money on other sports books when you could be earning real cash rewards with Zen Sports. Download today on the App Store or at zinsports.com and your wallet will thank you later. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older in Tennessee to bet. Uh, seriously, go download. It's cool. Um, I, I think I said this last week. It's uh, the the layout. If you're new to betting, it's it's very straightforward, very easy to read, very uh, kind of if you're if you're a novice better. Uh, it's a great place to start. Uh, go check it out. It's in sports. They're doing really cool stuff, and we appreciate them sponsoring the show. Now on to Joe Milton. Um, so I rewatched the entire game uh, and really paid attention and actually took notes on what Joe Milton did. And I saw a lot of people breaking down his throws like the freaking Zapruder film uh, to, to try to see if he was a problem. If the wide receivers were the problem, the offensive line was the problem, if what whatever it may be. And the conclusion that I came to is that it was kind of all three. Joe came out and threw some not so great passes that were behind guys. And at the same time, you watch them, and they probably should have still been caught. I, I said it before. I mean, these are SEC receivers. He's still like the, the, the one to McCallan Castles. I mean, yeah, it's back here, but you're an SEC receiver. You need to catch that ball. The one to Dante Thornton, it was a beautiful pass from Joe Milton. There's no excuse. 
uh, and some other ones where it was just a little bit of both. And uh, then you get to the offensive line. They certainly weren't perfect, and and they let a little more pressure in than they should have, especially against Austin P. That's kind of crazy that that. Some of the, I mean, it wasn't all. just the offensive line. Uh, Jabari Small kind of had a couple of tough yep. moments in pass protection as well. Exactly. So I mean, it it wasn't great kind of all the way around. Just everybody was off, and you could tell that Hypel kind of just packed it in and said, "We're just going to do simple side to side stuff, easy screens." And yada yada. I mean, there, there was. I mean, thinking of Jabari Small, there was actually a great screen that uh, Milton threw. I believe it was a third down, and he threw it to Jabari Small, and it, it was perfect. Joe executed it perfectly. Backed up. They, you know, they let the the defensive line come up. He throws the pass right into Jabari's hands, and he drops it. And then when you look at it, Jabari would have either torn off a giant chunk of yardage or maybe even scored a touchdown. I mean, it was tons of green grass in front of him. And there were just moments like that throughout this entire game where you look, Keaton, fumble. And you look and you go, ah, I mean, if you score a touchdown there, you're thinking at least a little differently about the outcome of this game if it's 37 to 13. And then if you get another one, maybe Jabari Small does, you know, crack that all the way into the, the end zone. And you're thinking about that, I think, considerably differently at that point. And so... There were just moments like that where I everybody was off, but everybody wants to know about Joe Milton and can he be the guy that takes Tennessee to a win in the swamp for the first time in 20 years? I will put it this way to just start off. Does Joe Milton have the ability to do that? Yes. I think without a doubt he does. And this team as a whole does because I don't think Florida's great. Can they actually do it after what we've seen and can he be the guy to do that? That's where it starts to get a little dicey. I, I don't know where you land on that, Zach. I mean, this is the first time that we're going to see Joe Milton in a real pressure situation. Like Vanderbilt last year had a little bit of that, just coming off that South Carolina win. They had to go out there and win 56 to nothing to really erase any of those questions that were floating around about the locker room. And he was good there. The Orange Bowl was, you know, I don't know if that was really kind of like his audition in a way. I think he already kind of had that locked in as the next guy, or at least he was going to get that chance. You want to win that game, and, and you respect the way Tennessee came out and played in that game. But it's not the same as this game against Florida with the history, the fact that it's on the road. You haven't won there in 20 years. And the fact that, like we mentioned earlier, it, it really is going to define your entire season. If you lose this game, suddenly all your goals become very less a lot less attainable so i think how does he handle that pressure how does he handle the crowd noise he hasn't really been again in one of those real situations where the crowd is just disrupting timing communication all those things that happened last season in athens and we you know hinden hooker had started in the swamp in 2021 you know he had started uh, some of these crazy road games and at Alabama, you know, even in 2021. And Milton played in some of those games, but it was when the outcome was no longer in doubt. So he didn't really get that same pressure feeling. It's like, well, Tennessee's already lost this game. Let's go out there and make a few plays. There's really no pressure on you at that point. It's a much different situation. All that said, Hooker had that experience and still struggled in Athens last season. Still with that atmosphere. So how is Milton going to handle, you know, his first true kind of road start in a hostile environment in a must-win game pretty much? That's that's almost as much of a concern for me as some of the accuracy issues and and touch issues that we've seen pop up over these first couple of games. It's a 
I really don't know what to expect. I mean, there, there's really no way to go out and predict what's going to happen because we really don't know who Florida is either. I mean, you can look at that Utah game and, and talk about how beatable they look, but if Tennessee plays the way they did against Austin P, they're, they and, and they would have played Utah, I mean, the game would have looked the same, if not worse, and you'd have those same questions about Tennessee. Yep. I really I really don't know where Florida is as a team uh, just yet through these first two games of the season, and I don't know where Tennessee is either. I think we're going to learn a ton about both of these teams this weekend, I think that's really how you have to view this game. Here's a tough truth from this. There's a couple of comments kind of in the same vein. Elias says, if you lose this game, the volume is going to be deafening for Nico. We all knew this going in, and then <laughs> Vols Deep uh, podcast asks, how long is the leash? Uh, and and that's that's the entire question if if he comes out with another slow start is is the tolerance so small that it would be in the florida game where they go no we gotta win this thing um and and so they they yank him and try nico i wouldn't love to see that because i think you look back at the history of tennessee football and guys that had their first major game ever in Swamp, uh, that didn't turn out so hot, Nathan Peterman. Uh, so maybe, not that I think Nico is Nathan Peterman, I think Nico is a far more talented uh, quarterback, at least it seems so far, no offense, Nathan Peterman. Um, but he, he just seems, you know, you hear anybody talk about the kid, and it's just glowing, glowing reviews all the time. Um, I, I think he will be great long-term. But... Uh, regardless sorry there's somebody on my front window i just saw um <laughs> but regardless <laughs> uh it is a live show there's proof is it butch jones seeing if we're still talking about him <laughs> it is. Butch, is it? butch is just out in the streets yeah <laughs> anywho i i i think that it will be the entire florida game you know you get that if you're joe milton at least if it's a yeah. total disaster, like flying off the rails, four interceptions like Nathan Peterman. Yeah. Maybe they yank him in that game. Cause you got to do just what you got to do. But I think in, in reality, you at least get that Florida game. And if it's pretty bad. Yeah. If it's mediocre, I, I think he stays. Cause I, honestly, I think there's a scenario where Joe Milton is mediocre and Tennessee still beats Florida in, in this. I mean, it's, just from what we've seen from Florida, maybe what we've seen of Florida is wrong, but I think there's a scenario where he's mediocre and he still win. And then I think if he's if he's good, obviously he keeps his job. But I I think it's at least the entirety of that game. Uh, do you agree with that? I, I don't uh, know how you. Think yeah, that. no. I, I mean, Elias and Jason both make comments here where Elias says if you if you do put Nico in, Joe is probably done. A la Ainge in, in 2005. Jason here, if you if we go to Nico, then there's no going back. We have to let Milton play and show Agreed. what he's got. I think Heupel is in a pretty tough spot. I think he I think he knows that Nico's the better quarterback. And I think we all know that. I don't know if he's the better quarterback right now because of the experience factor and everything that goes into running this offense. And we we can't know that until they actually play. But with everything the last two years between Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton and the way that Joe Milton handled that and the story that it's become. What happens if you if you take him out? If if Florida gets up thirteen to nothing or fourteen to nothing or ten to nothing, and Tennessee can't get anything going on offense, and you take him out and you bring Nico in, and Nico can't get anything going on offense either. 
uh, what if everything's just kind of still off? Well, then it's a huge mess. Then you got all these questions. What happens going into this UTSA game? Another game, by the way, that has the potential to be like that Austin P game because UTSA is a pretty decent team. It's just that it's going to be a tough situation to manage, and you don't want to just like punt on this season. If it, and that we're getting ahead of ourselves, I mean, that's worst case scenario. Joe Milton just cannot get anything going, it just becomes a disaster. You know, maybe it, it gets so bad you make that move, but if it's going to be nine and four, it might just be nine and four, and next year's the year they make the run with, with Nico as a sophomore. I mean, I think Tennessee fans have to accept that sometimes those seasons happen. Tennessee's not at a point where Alabama and Georgia have been where they've been landing these top five recruiting classes for five, six years, and you can go out and just get by on your depth and be elite and beat almost everybody that you play. And Tennessee still might be able to do that out, outside of maybe Alabama and Georgia. Who knows about this Florida game? I just I think it's a really tough spot to be in with the culture that you've built and one bad or wrong decision here that doesn't sit well with the locker room would threaten to kind of tear that all apart i mean it's really hard to build a good yeah. culture really easy to tear it apart and you don't want to let that happen as far as they've come so it's i don't envy the position that josh heifel's in this weekend hopefully just hopefully milton just comes out on fire everybody looks a lot better after that players only meeting and and we don't have to talk about this again uh ever again so that would that would be nice but you got to prepare for reality and, and who knows what might happen this is kind of the most interesting outcome and i don't think i've really thought about but Fallout Zone says, I, I agree with you, Charlie. We won't even know if Joe Milton is the guy if if we win. I I think I think you would if if he comes out and he's just, you know, burning it up. I, I like think you know obviously okay. last year. Yeah, ex exactly. Like there there is this scenario where Joe doesn't have to play that well and Tennessee still wins. You have weapons in, in the backfield, and per se, maybe you you rip off two, three really great runs. And then all you have to do is just get the ball into the end zone at that point into the red zone or something. And then suddenly you're up by two touchdowns and, and you just end up winning that way. Like that, that scenario does exist. And maybe we walk away from the Florida game, still not knowing <laughs> Joe Milton is that guy. Maybe the UTSA game is the, is the week where we flesh it out, but it, it just, uh, it, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see. I, I think, I mean, and then Ben says here, why are we even talking about having a leash on someone who's accounted for seven touchdowns this year and, and hasn't thrown an interception? So Crompton kind of had a take like this during during our postgame show where he he said, if you look at the stats that Joe had in that game and and you slap another name on it and you have him put, you know, oh, that's that's the stat that the kid for Auburn had tonight. You'd go, ah, oh, that's a pretty nice night. Two touchdowns, 240 or something through the air. But if you're really honest and you watch everything that Joe Milton did in that game, I mean, you really have to take it, take it in. Almost everything came from passes at or even behind the line of scrimmage. They were just screen passes. Um, very few of those passes were, were, you know, five yards or longer even. Um, and there was zero, zero deep shots that they were, I mean, this entire season, has there been one and it was the one to Keaton and he dropped it? it might be, I right? think it was like a, a couple of vertical shots in that Virginia game, but nothing really like we saw with Jalen Hyatt last season or yeah. what we can see with, with Milton's arm. I, I don't know what's going on there. And and maybe, maybe Crompton's suspicions are are correct. And he, you know, he's he's 100% right there. And they just start bombing it over the top against Florida. I, I don't know. But... 
We know he can. I, I, I mean, we've seen it plenty yeah. from him. We saw it in garbage time last year. We saw it in important games last year against Vanderbilt and Clemson. We've seen him do it. We know he's capable of doing it. So it's, it, you know, it's just a timing and, and rhythm thing from that aspect. But it, it's, for me, it's not the deep shots. It's more of those passes that you just got to be a little more on target on. And really, honestly, here's, here's where I'm at with Joe Milton, like fully. I think as a player, he's, he's extremely talented, obviously. I think he doesn't have the escapability and the pocket awareness of Hendon Hooker. I think Hendon Hooker was elite in that in that area and i think hooker process things just maybe half a second faster than milton and half a second can be a lot in this offense half a second is a throw being just a little bit off and and hooker had throws that were off too let's not kid ourselves i mean he missed plenty of play i mean every quarterback does that's not a slamming hooker by any means every quarterback does but i i think that hooker just saw everything just a just a little bit faster than milton i think I mean, and, and that's fine. I mean, I think Hooker was the better quarterback just from what we've seen so far. I mean, that, and that's not an insult against Joe Milton. You're always going to stack up somewhere, and I just kind of think that's how it falls. Hooker had had a feel and a flow that it doesn't feel like Milton has, or at least we haven't seen him have it yet. At the same time, I remember us having conversations after Pittsburgh game last year, and you haven't played a team of, of Pittsburgh's caliber quite yet. Not that that Pittsburgh team was amazing. They ended up having a pretty mediocre season last year, but uh, after that Pittsburgh game, I mean, I remember us having conversations being like, Hooker was a little rough, you know, and and just not being 100% satisfied and thinking that he was going to be the, you know, the Heisman level guy that he ended up being. Uh, we had similar conversations. They weren't as dire for sure. Milton has looked worse. He doesn't seem like he has that feel. Uh, one of the things that we brought up on that, that post game show was that, he people were scared of hooker running the ball and i think they know milton can run the ball but they know that he doesn't really want to if it's not a designed run he's usually not taking off exactly he he is not going to be looking for that lane he and and this was this was i think an excellent point that crompton brought up I, i keep referencing him but he makes great points um but he said that his theory is probably that Milton believes so strongly in his arm that he goes, I don't need to run for it. I can find this tight window and rocket it in there. I, I'm going to be able to to figure it out because I, you know, I, I'm so much, uh, I, I can put so much zip on the ball that I don't need whatever it may be. And that, I thought that was an interesting point. And maybe he, and he has through that lens. He has yeah. Lens. He did exactly. it against Clemson several times. Very tight yes. windows. I just like the higher percentage play myself. Exactly. And so it's he's a different dude altogether, and you can't discount that, and you can't just throw that out and just constantly compare him to Hooker. But we had similar conversations, not ones that aren't as dire, but similar conversations last year before Hooker totally took off. And this was the game where Hooker totally took off, where he, he played Florida and he beat Florida, and, and we were like, okay, he's he's a dude. And we we see that now. And so maybe Milton, Joe doesn't lose in Florida Milton, you know, as, as he said oh, before yeah. the season. Forgot about that. Uh, maybe this is this is the coming out party where he finally shows like, yeah, I'm that guy. Maybe, maybe like Cooper coming back is, is the secret formula. I don't know, because he, he did play markedly better in that orange bowl with Cooper under center. I don't know. Uh, maybe that does difference. We'll, we'll, and he didn't have Jalen Hyatt or Cedric Tillman in the orange bowl either. Yep. And, and I mean, 
and and that's why I don't put a ton of validity into that. Like a lot of people have been saying that he he just throws too hard and just throws an uncatchable ball. Dudes, dudes caught the balls that he threw in that Orange Bowl game. I, I mean, I don't know. They caught sixty five percent of them in the Boston B game. And so, I mean, he he is. Yes, I would guess that it's harder to catch than Hinden Hooker's footballs. In fact, I would guarantee that pretty much. But are they uncatchable? No, they're not uncatchable. If if he can be accurate with them, when he's inaccurate, that's a different story. But when he can be accurate with them, they're they're not uncatchable. He th- he threw a really nice touchdown in this Austin P game that that was just he he led the receiver just a little bit. He probably could have led him a little bit more, um, but led Keaton uh, on a crossing route for a touchdown in this game. He can throw that pass just fine, and Keaton caught it just fine. I mean, the dude has that ability. So I I much, I don't fully subscribe to that. How much of how much do you think this isn't really being kind of talked about with Milton? I mean, going into the Florida start last year, Hooker had 13 starts in Josh Heupel's offense. You know, 11 in in 2021 and, and the first two of last season. Joe Milton has five, and we talked about earlier. He hasn't really had any of those starts come in these kind of must win pressure road road games with your season on the line, how fair is it to put the same expectation on Milton in this Florida game with it being in Gainesville is what you put on hooker last season with that much more experience. And I know Milton's been in the offense since 2021, but it's different going out running. You got a lot of new pieces. Dante Thornton, it seems like he's still trying to figure out his role in this offense, maybe figuring out how it operates. He only played like eight snaps against Austin P after some of the early drops. You know, you, you, you're kind of working in a lot of new new faces or not a lot of several new faces in key areas. Is it fair? I mean, is, is what we're asking fair of Milton? I mean, I Papa Jay here, I mean, he might be saying it. Joe's issue is between his temples. It has to be a mental thing. Kind of to your point there, maybe. Maybe he just hasn't been there, done that enough. I mean, he went and beat Clemson. And it, and it was a slightly shorthanded Clemson team, but it was still Clemson. And you know, scored thirty whatever points against them, against what ultimately I think was a pretty decent defense. And I, I, uh, I don't want to give him tons of grace there because he's in his sixth year of college. He hasn't played in huge pressure spots. That's a hundred percent true. But it is still. I mean, he's just been around so long. At a certain point, you got to just go like, ah, you know, when the when the lights come on, you got to perform. So I, I think it's, it is possible that it's a, a mental thing with him and he, maybe he just needs to have that breakout game and maybe this Florida game can be that. Cause I mean, it's, I mean, he won in Florida last year. <laughs> he went down to the orange bowl and he won. And, and that Clemson so, team should be like that Clemson team's better than this Florida team. Right. Yes. I mean, yes, that shorthanded yeah, Clemson be. team is better yes. than, than this, this Florida team. I believe that 100%. And so, uh, I, if he can break through that mental wall and really get there, it's I, I think you you see it a ton in in basketball where guys, you know, they break through, they start making some threes, and then you just go on a total hot streak. Like you can really just you start seeing the ball go where you want it to go and and you start just really believing in yourself. Maybe he just needs to do that. I hope that happens this week. So, so, so badly. I hope it happens because damn the entire state of Florida <laughs> for what they've done to this fan base <laughs> over the years. This is 
would just be such a huge win and such a needed one. And I, yeah, well, and, and on, on that point, let's get to the final segment of the show. We're almost uh, to an hour already, Zach, the Florida game. We've talked about everything that's happened up to this point and kind of what it all means. Um, <laughs> Papa J dropped in a, uh, a super chat here. He's kind of leading us to some of the stuff we need to talk about. He said, I just hope someone spies Flores quarterback so we don't make them look like a track star. Oh, now there's some better ball syndrome right there. Uh, we all remember all the backup quarterbacks that ran all over Tennessee in the past for Florida. Yeah, let's talk about it, Zach, right after I tell you about our final sponsor for the show, Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey. Nothing goes better with a Tennessee sports victory than a great whiskey. And I'm talking specifically about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Logstill Distillery has a Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap, named after a long-forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version. If you watch the post-game show with me and Crump, you saw the four-year version. Because that game kind of fry, uh, frayed my nerves. Uh, I uh, had to take a little bit of the edge off. Rattle and Snap was there for me. Uh, you'll see the four-year version right there in the corner. Also looks great on a shelf, but it's also awesome in a glass in cocktails or just drinking neat. Go get yourself a bottle in stores across the state of Tennessee, and uh, it's also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. If you're a non-Tennessee-based vol, run. Don't walk to get yourself some Rattle and Snap whiskey for those Tennessee sports victories. Hopefully, we are having a whiskey for the win after this Florida game. Me and Crump, uh... That would be nice. Had one last year. Ready to have another. Follow them on Instagram at Rattle and Snap Whiskey. Thank you, thank you, thank you to them. Now, preview and prediction here for the Florida game. So we saw Florida lose to Utah. Then Utah went and struggled mightily against a Baylor team that got smacked by Texas State. Um, and ultimately, they did win. <laughs> Utah did win that game. Uh, so, you know, Utah is decent, but Utah was playing in that game down eight starters plus their star quarterback, Cam Rising. He wasn't playing in that game either. So they were facing like a third string quarterback and they didn't just lose to Utah. They kind of got their butt kicked. And on top of that, Mertz doesn't look like the dude, their quarterback transfer from Wisconsin. He just, it's just not there. And I'm not sure they really have a suitable Backup, their suitable backup is playing at Arizona State right now, <laughs> uh, Jaden Rashada. Um, and so, I mean, I, I don't think they're incredible. Defensive line didn't look like it's a world beater. Defensive backs didn't look like world beaters. I mean, they got beat by a third-string quarterback. Um, and the, the offensive line, kind of neither here nor there, but it's Florida. And you can't ever discount that element and it's what i hate the most and i already feel like throwing up talking about the florida game what say you zach what are you thinking about this one <laughs> yeah the minute the austin p game was over i'm the same way i'm always like man the florida tennessee game is one of the most fun things in college football but my nerves of the week of the game are always terrible and this week is even worse because you have to go win this game. Like you have to, you have to find a way to win this game. So that the pressure is certainly there, but the good news is Florida feels the same way. It's going to be a, I'm worried about the pressure that Florida might be able to generate. Billy Napier's that's like probably the 
part of his defense that he's happiest with is is their ability to to rush the passer, which seems like Florida always finds a way to to have some athletes out there that can get after the quarterback. Concerned about that, the running game. Obviously, Tennessee's been decent against the run over the last couple of years. This will be the defense's first real test to kind of show what they have and if they can stop some elite players. And and Florida's, I want to put them in the elite running game category, but it's good enough that it could give Tennessee some issues. I don't think Graham Mertz is going to beat you, but he, he can play well enough that, that if you don't go out and execute on offense, he, he can play well enough to to win the game for Florida. But I don't think he's going to go out there and, you know, throwing the ball all over you like Spencer Rattler did with, with South Carolina last season. Not a huge scrambler. He does have the capability of getting into the end zone and, and picking up 10 or 15 yards with his legs if he has to. Uh, but it's not something that he's going to look to do. I, I think he has like minus – something career rushing yards but he does have like if you look at his stats he's got like a long of like 15 or 20 every season and i would bet on that happening saturday night at some point when it's third and 16 this dude's gonna run in slow motion for 17 yards and and we're all (laughs) gonna be throwing everything across our living room saying of course we knew this would happen this guy has Uh, you know no speed and, and here he goes so we'll watch out for at least one of those but but really i think it comes down to can the offensive line protect? Can they not have the pre-snap penalties that we saw in Athens last season? If they do, it's going to make it really hard for this offense to get anything going. They can't start out behind the chains. They can't be in first and 15, second and 15 because of dumb false starts or other procedural penalties. So they have to they have to play pretty clean and handle the noise well, and they have to protect Joe Milton. If they can do that, I think they'll be able to run the ball, and, and you know we'll see where the offense goes from there. If they're able to open it up and win some of these matchups, it'll be interesting to see if if this Florida try to take away the deep stuff like Austin P did. Was Austin P really taking it away? I mean, we don't really get to see a good angle of that on on television. You don't get the overhead kind of all twenty two view to know if Tennessee had guys open running down the field. I know against Virginia they did at times. They didn't hit it. Joey Hosley said that during his media session last week. Uh, I'm not sure if he speaks tomorrow. We might know a little bit more about that. But, you know, does Florida try to take that away? How does Tennessee counter that? Is it the run game? Is it more of these perimeter screens? Are they athletic enough to to beat Florida on the perimeter and on the edge? And I think those are really the keys to the the game. Tons of good points. Uh, Elias says it's Florida built. Uh, I, I assume that's like Florida and Vanderbilt together. I, I will say to start my assessment, I mean, this is the worst Florida will ever be. I think like you're year in a year out, unless they end up firing Napier and they fire and they hire an even bigger clown. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to get better than this opportunity and maybe next year. And so you got to start there and be completely honest with yourself. And that's how important this game is because there's a little bit of, if not now, when. After Tennessee becomes like really elite, there's no guarantee of that happening. You have some really good recruits coming in, no doubt. And and obviously Nico in the wings, but you know, it's, it's not going to get easier. And the, I mean, there's this element too. Austin, great comment here. He says, it'll be interesting to see if Napier throws all caution to the wind this year like he did last year. His play calling was desperate last year. That's 100% true. He he went all out uh, in that game, recovered an onside kick. Yeah, I mean, we all watched it. Um, 
that that wasn't a desperate call. It made a bunch of sense in that moment because they, you know, time was running out on them. But a lot of his early did uh, fourth down attempts instead of kicking field goals. Yes, yeah, and maybe a lot of no, that. Maybe that game's closer if he kicks those field goals too. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, but the there was definitely an element there. I think that's spot on from Austin. And and does that happen where Napier is like, I'm coaching for my job, coaching for my life right now. And he just comes out absolutely swinging catches Tennessee off guard, like Austin P did. And it's, and it's just a completely off disaster day. I don't know because what I think has to happen has to happen is that you come out strong on offense. It's if that doesn't happen, I'm, I'm having doom thoughts in the first quarter because that that's how you, you just smacked LSU right in the mouth in Baton Rouge last year. You think about the, the games on the road where Tennessee has done the best, you know, at, at Missouri and come out and you just get a 21 point lead right off the jump and, and you just start running it up. You get in that comfortable position. You're in the catbird seat then. And, and all you kind of have to do, at, at that point is like last year at LSU, they did such a great job of just like running the ball, running the clock. And especially now with the, the running clock for first downs, it's even easier. That has to happen. Has to, has to, has to, has to, has to. Because I, if you get into a position where Milton is having to throw a bunch in the middle of the field, way downfield because you're, you're down and you're trying to score, that's a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. That's a recipe for disaster for almost anybody because downfield long throws are just lower percentage. There's a lower percentage play. And you don't have the luxury of running the ball all the time like Josh Heupel wants to. And that just can't happen. You have to come out 14-point lead in that, that first quarter. It just is like, it's just a requirement, at least a seven-point lead. I think you you got to get there and then go from there. The game from that point can go a lot of different ways for sure. But I think that puts you in the best position possible. I think obviously it would give Joe a ton of confidence and you're feeling really good. And it, I mean, it's what happened with, with Joe in the, the Clemson game. You got a nice, nice lead in that one. I think it, you got a 14 point lead in like the second quarter. And then from there, you just, you just worked it down and, and you, you know, you can kind of in that second half run out the clock, so to speak. And I, I think best case scenario, that's how this goes for Tennessee. Cause if they're coming from behind, I just in, coming from behind by more than, you know, three to six points, you're in a tough, tough spot. And that just cannot happen. Do I think that's what's, you know, what, what is more likely here? I think Tennessee jumping out to a nice lead is more likely because I, you know, a lot of people have been saying it in these comments where it was one. Yeah. Fall zone says it here. He said, all I know is that the defensive line will eat if Florida's offensive line looks like it did against Utah. Yeah. If you're getting to Mertz, you're in his face, you're making him feel uncomfortable that entire time. I think Florida will have a really hard time scoring the football. And he's gonna so throw, he's gonna turn the ball over. If you can get to yes. him, you don't have to hit him. You can force him to make some bad decisions. But I mean you gotta you gotta get home there. Exactly. And <laughs> another good point for follows on here. Florida doesn't have Anthony Richardson to bail them out. Mm. UT's defense is better than it was last year. Um I mean and Jasmine is thinking what I'm thinking here. She's says uh i say throw a few deep early yes go for it like he's i mean the the comment that said earlier i wonder if napier will be desperate i hope hypel is desperate 
No, Bible comes in going, this game, as of this moment, this game defines this season. You know, the, the next game will define the season after this one, after you win this one. But as of right now, this Florida game defines this season. And it's so huge, his, so historically huge for, for Tennessee if you could win this one. And so just go for it, baby. Just balls to the wall. Leave it all out there. Uh, is is what I would like to see, and and hopefully hopefully it's not what we were talking about earlier. Some of the theories, like does he he doesn't trust Milton, doesn't trust the offensive line, doesn't trust the receivers. Hopefully that's that's not true, and they do just throw open the playbook and and kick in the door. Um, but get get up and have the defense eat before the defense gets early, or before <laughs> I read early on in the comments before the defense gets tired later in the game. Uh, jump on them early, and and bury them. And that's the way that you win this game. Because you can even, it can be like last year. You buried them, and then they came back, but you still won. Because you buried them. And that's that's the ideal scenario uh, for this game, I think. Yeah, I, I'm interested in the first series, too. I mean, obviously the whole game. And I'm really interested in seeing this conversation. How, how do they start the game? I would bet on a running play just to kind of see what they can get going with Jalen Wright and hope that you pick up a big chunk. You know, we, we've had this big debate about how much is Hypel showing, how much of that was by design, how much of it was the the flow of the game and trying to just get out of there with a win. Regardless of why Tennessee, you know, played the way they did did against Virginia and Austin P, that is still the film that, that Billy Napier has of this team. Now, I'm sure they're watching Vanderbilt and they're watching Clemson from last season, any of Milton's reps and garbage time. But as far as what this team's done with this personnel – that's what he has to look at. So it, it it is helpful in that sense that there isn't a lot on film from this season for Florida to look at. They don't really know how Tennessee would attach some of those like three high safety looks and some of those soft shell coverages. They don't really know how Joe Milton and, and Joey Hosley, you know, as the offensive coordinator, how this version of Tennessee will will handle those moments. So that you know maybe is a little advantage at least with the first part of the game. So if you throw some of those perimeter screens out there, Florida's probably ready for that. They've seen that a ton in, in the Austin P and, and the Virginia game already. So maybe you, you you disguise a look. I don't know what makes sense there, but I would definitely try to take a shot deep pretty early in the game because if you hit it, you know, suddenly Joe Milton's feeling himself a little bit. Everybody on the sidelines into it. All the wide receivers are starting to feel a little bit better. Takes a little bit of the pressure off. You know, the downside is if you miss it, you still some frustration there, but I think it's worth it. I mean, you like you said, you got to jump out to to a, a decent lead here if you want to put this game away early because the crowds are going to stay into it, no matter how hard you try to take them out of it. Unless you're just up by thirty five at halftime, or, or and that would be great, but it's going to be a fight probably for sixty minutes. So you you got to go score early and often, and, and like you said, you definitely don't want to be in catch up mode because we haven't seen Milton have to operate in that yet, and we don't know how that would really go for him not saying it would go bad we just, we just don't know and and i really don't want to find out in gainesville well i asked what's the best case scenario and that can kind of lead us into our prediction here i mean to me the best case scenario is you just blow their doors off i i think that's completely possible yeah, and, and elias says in the lower uh, comment just below it variance is massive in this game you could see 31 to 3 at halftime with 150 plus rushing yards or 10 to 7 florida's up and we're all freaking out. I think both of those are feasible and possible. 
And yeah, I mean, your best case scenario is you do jump on them early, you take the crowd out of it, and you just run it up. And and I, there's a scenario in this game where Tennessee wins like 41-14. That's totally real. Uh, there's also a scenario where they get you know down in the mud and and it, you lose like twenty eight to twenty four. I think that's also feasible. So, um, and it's that's tough to say after how amazing this offense was last year. But I I just think that the the floor here for the Milton led offense is just lower. Uh, so I'll I'll go first with the prediction. I usually throw it to you, Zach, but I'll. I'll go first on this one. Everybody knows that my yearly prediction is that Tennessee loses to Florida until they don't. Now, in my preseason prediction, I said that Tennessee would walk into the swamp and lay the smack down on Florida. Um, and I, I had changed my ways. And Heupel had made me a believer. I'm, I'm a sheep now. Bah, you know, I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm a new man. Am I still a new man now that you had kind of this debacle against Austin P? Yes, I am. I still am a believer because I, I just think it's kind of the point that I said earlier. It's a very real possibility that Joe Milton is mediocre in this game and Tennessee still wins. You look back historically in this matchup, like, like that one that ended on the Hail Mary. That Tennessee team was Which atrocious. One? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Toy what 2017. That yeah. Tennessee team was was not good. And they were poorly no. coached. And they they almost won in the swamp. You had them nailed down in the swamp with Butch in 2015. They blew that. You know, you've you've had teams that I think aren't as talented as this one almost be Florida. And I just now trust implicitly in Hypel. Now, do I think that it's gonna be the blowout that I thought before the season? I have changed that. I don't think it's gonna be the blowout that I thought. But I do think that Tennessee just slips, squeaks one out here in the swamp. First time in 20 years. It just feels like the right time. It, it's kind of that same, if not now, when? Because it's not going to get any easier probably ever with just the level of quarterback that they have. Their offensive line play hasn't been great. I do think they, I want to say they get an offensive lineman back that's been injured. And he's a, he's a key piece. Um, so maybe that is a factor. I'm, I'm I not think sure. they're centered. They're center as well. So I think okay. both centers possibly coming back for this game. But still, I mean, your, your strength's on the edge. I think you should still be able to get in Mertz's face and be, you know, live in, in, live in that backfield all day. And so I'll say t- Tennessee does jump out maybe like 14-7 early. Um, maybe it becomes like 28-14 in the third quarter. Florida maybe comes back like 28-24. We're all sweating. Oh, my gosh. This is the torture's never going to end, and then you finish it off. I'll I'll say, I'll say, thirty-one twenty-four, Tennessee. Mm. You you seal it up, kick a field goal to get to thirty-one, but you didn't even need it because Florida wasn't going to score another touchdown anyway. Um, so that's that's what I'll say, and that that would be Tennessee covering, I believe. They're a a seven-point favorite, I think. Last thing I saw. So, uh, where are you at, Zach? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty pretty close to you. I'd already written my score out there and typed it out. I, I kind of feel it going this. I don't think Florida can score enough to beat Tennessee, even if Tennessee isn't as crisp as they were against you know like Alabama or, or somebody like that last season. 
I think Joe Milton will be better. I think the whole team will be better. I think that was a real wake-up call against Austin P. I, I don't think that game is because Tennessee's bad. I think it raised the questions that we we spoke about throughout this whole live stream, and I think those are valid questions. Ultimately, I think it was a big combination of Austin P's game plan. It was very unique. It was very effective. They had high energy. Uh, like you said, you got to respect the way they came out there and competed. They made life really difficult for Tennessee. Also, I think this Tennessee team was looking past this Austin P game a little bit, and that's not in a disrespectful way. I don't think that they were like, oh, we're just going to beat these guys and it's they stand no chance. I think they prepared the right way. I think they took the game serious, but I think this is something we saw with Georgia last year at times, right? They, they didn't play well against Missouri. They only won by four points on the road. Now, obviously, Missouri is a much better opponent than Austin P. I'm not really comparing it in that sense, but – they had some, like, Georgia should beat Missouri by more than four points. Georgia's way better than Missouri. They could beat Missouri in Athens when they're clicking by 60 points, right? I mean, and the same thing with Kent State. They beat Kent State by 17 points last season. You know, they gave up 22 points to Kent State. That really good Georgia defense. Like, sometimes teams that have high aspirations, it's tough to get up for some of these pay games where it's just it's just not the same energy it's not the same vibe so i think all of that really kind of contributed to what we saw on saturday night i think they'll be a lot better after that players only meeting but i i do think it's still the swamp those players are going to be up for it billy napier has been talking to them all week about the importance of this game and what it means historically and what it means for them as a program so they're gonna be ready to go but i think tennessee will come out i think they'll win i think they'll cover but not by a lot i have a uh, tennessee winning 33 to 24. So same amount of points nice. as you for Florida. There you go. We both say Tennessee win. What a, what a time to be alive. Do you ever think we get here, Zach, where we both choose Tennessee to beat Florida in the swamp? I, was, I mean, even, even if they, was, if Tennessee ends up losing, what a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought we don't we'd have to here. recap that. <laughs> some of the and, and honestly i dread i dread it if they do lose because i know this whole the whole tone of the conversation will s suddenly flip over not for everybody but there will be a lot of people like questioning hypo and questioning all this yep. stuff and it's like that's it's nonsense you've seen where we've been you'll know if that day ever comes and you know eventually it will in some form or fashion either whatever happens retirement another job poor performance it happens to every program but look at what florida's done in the swamp the last 50 years they've hardly won there how i mean peyton manning you know couldn't win there how much can we hold that against hypo if this doesn't happen not very much in my opinion not in this game yeah that it won't be an ugly conversation per se but it's one that i let's just not let's go in there and win let's just do it some predictions from the comments austin says 41 14 like the 95 alabama game Lordy, I hope so. God, that would be so fun. Mm, yeah, yes. Fallout says, yep, when in doubt, running with right. I think they can focus on running and make short passes and win. It's exactly. Fallout's with me there, man. There is a real scenario where Joe just had, he was like, they played all right. And Tennessee still wins this game. Um, Did you notice today they put Jalen Wright as the uh, like starter by himself at running back? They took the co away from Jalen Wright. So he's like the no. official number one running back and i think it's small and samson or the the oars on the depth chart now which i mean we knew that right? i mean like, yeah I, I think we all we've watched still the interesting games. yeah <laughs> that is interesting I, I didn't notice that off the depth chart today 
Uh, Lice says, calling an awkward game that finishes like 27 to 14 Tennessee. And we're still having yeah. the same quarterback argument on Tuesday. <laughs> that's probably uh, a pretty yeah. good chance. Like, if I had to I, bet on outcomes, that's probably the one I would be taking out of all the possible scenarios. Yes. I, I think because because Jalen Wright is such a dude. I mean, I think whoa, you have... Whoa, 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 whoa. We got we to gotta stop everything right here. Uh, okay. Elias says he's the only UT... He probably is the only UT, UT fan who is 2-0 in the swamp. Whoa! I think you've uh, two thousand. You were there two thousand one and two thousand three. I think you've. I think you've got to go down there. <laughs> yes, you, you have. Uh, you have to you, get in a car. I think you owe us that. Yeah. You have to be there. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, yes. I don't think you have a choice. We'll crowd. We'll <laughs> raise the money somehow. I don't know. Actually, Particularly I'm, I can't impressive. That, so don't. It's not binding. I mean that that 2001 one that that was the one that got pushed by 911 mm-hmm. in December 9/11 yeah. today. Um yeah, they they got pushed and and then it was on that weird day and it ended up launching Tennessee into the SEC championship game if they would have won they would have played in the national Yeah, let's stop the story it. there. We'll stop. Yeah, yeah. Gonna, they they made it the SEC game. championship yeah. game. That's the yeah. last thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> and, and but yeah, I mean two, 2003 with a uh, friend of the show Jabari Davis, the Gator Killer. Casey Clawson, uh, who was at the Tennessee game this past weekend. Yes. See, maybe, maybe that's some good vibes. Good if if Elias goes, uh, Casey was at this last game, it's meant to be. Yes. So just just do it. Just do it. Because I I always I always go back to this because it's it's the most recent one that I, I remember, but that I just never thought that Tennessee would ever Tennessee basketball would ever win in Rupp again. And I remember watching that game with Grant Williams and uh, and you know, they, they finally won in rough and it happens and you just go like, did we really just do that? Did that? I can't you, like, it's almost like your mind has a hard time comprehending that you actually did it. I want to have that same exact feeling here. It's time to break through the Florida wall, like high, high, high time to, to just kick in the door and, and welcome yourself back uh to to beating florida on on the regular i mean that hasn't happened <laughs> since what like the 80s <laughs> um, well, 0304 was the last last back to back yeah that's true yeah but it it is time just just like uh the amazing john ward said i'll read my statement verbatim it's time <laughs> all right charlie burris zach reagan Thank you so much for listening. Uh, seriously, every, dude, this the the comment section was on fire tonight. You guys rock. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Seriously, can't say it enough. You are the reason that this show continues on. Uh, couldn't do it without you. We really appreciate it. Um, you know where to find us, a to zsports.com. Zach's a content machine over there. And I'm, you know on Twitter getting roasted by Titans fans. Uh <laughs> whatever it's or Buck, Will Levis Buck rising. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding, boy. Oh thank you, Ryan Tannehill, for that complete disappointment yesterday. Um, but let's not get into that. There this this the channel otherwise is dedicated to that. Go watch their analysis of everything that happened. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks again, everybody. We uh yeah well May, I don't know. I want to do more midweek stuff. Maybe we'll strategize. We're going to see. Uh, may or may not happen. But Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan, thanks again for watching. And we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.